Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. I have fantastic news. The tomb is empty. Jesus is raised from the dead and sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And that is great news. It is the best news. And I'll tell you two reasons. There's a myriad of them. I'll tell you two reasons why this is great news. The first reason why this is great news is because, as we just saying, death has no grip on us anymore. Death has no grip on us because Jesus gave death a death sentence. Jesus conquered death, and it no longer has hold on us. And that's wonderful news. The second reason why... It is great news that Jesus is risen from the dead because he is the first and the last human to never deserve it. He never deserved death in the first place. Because Jesus, unlike us, was the only person to perfectly give his life to God. He is the ultimate picture of submission and sacrifice. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. For those of you who don't know, our, our, our elders at South Cane Valley have given us a vision or a goal for the year to become more like Jesus every day. And so this month and the Sundays, we are going through a series where we are looking at how we can become more like Jesus, looking at various ways that he lived. And this morning, we're in the second part, and we're looking at how Jesus submitted and he sacrificed so that we can learn to become more like our risen Savior in our submission and our sacrifice. And the primary text, or the text that's going to sort of build our sermon out for us this morning, is going to be coming from Philippians chapter 2, which is read for us. Thank you, Jacob, for that. But since this is a crucial text, we're going to read it again, even though we've heard it once already. Starting in verse 5, it says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who as... He already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant. And being born in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, there are three things that I want to draw up in this passage that we're going to be looking at this morning as it pertains to Jesus' submission and his sacrifice. The first thing is that for Jesus, submission was life-defining. That for Jesus, submission and obedience to the Father was everything. It was so much everything to him that he was willing to die in order to be obedient to the Father. The second thing that we're going to be looking at is that for Jesus, submission required sacrifice. That there was no way for him to live a life of submission to the Father without sacrificing. It goes back to his emptying of himself and living the life of a man and living the life of a bondservant and then dying the death 
of a criminal. He sacrificed in order to be obedient to the Father. And the third thing we're going to look at as it pertains to Jesus and submission is that because he submitted, every knee shall bow. He is the risen and glorified king because of his ultimate submission to the Father. And we're going to go into each of these points in some detail, primarily focusing on the first one this morning, as we look at Jesus as the picture of someone who perfectly submitted to the Father. It was everything to him. It was life-defining. And you can see that submission was life-defining for Jesus just by going back to the very earliest moments that we have recorded of him. If you recall, when he was 12 years old, his parents, they went to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Passover. And along the way, they lost the Messiah. <laughs> they lost him. And they went searching for him, and they found him. And he was in the temple, and he was talking with the teachers. And when his parents questioned him about this, why had he done this, he responded, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? From 12 years old, Jesus knew his focus. He knew his purpose, and it was the father's business. It was the father's will. You can fast forward in Jesus' life to when he was about my age. Yes, about my age. I'm about 28. I know some of you look at me and think young whippersnapper, but Jesus was about my age. When he began his ministry, I'm 28, coming up, 30s knocking is the way I think about it. And he was about to begin his ministry, and he went up to John the Baptist, and he asked John to baptize him. And John kind of argued, he said, I'm not, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus responded to him saying, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John the Baptist, allowed him. It was Jesus' mission on earth to fulfill all righteousness, to do everything that God wanted of him. We can see this in some of the things that he said later on in his ministry as well, where in John chapter 4, he said this thing that just boggles my mind. He says to his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food. My food. What gives him energy? What sustains him? What he goes to work for in the day? His food is God's will to accomplish God's work. It is everything to him. He gives everything for it, and it feeds him. A similar passage in Psalm 69, verse 9, which is quoted in reference to Jesus, says, For zeal for your house has consumed me, passion Fervent desire, zeal for God's work, God's house consumed Jesus. Doing the will of the Father was everything to him. It defined who he was. And I know that sometimes when we think about someone who has this great passion, it sort of defines everything about them, that sometimes we think, well, it must be easy for them to do it because it's so important to them. 
But when you look at the life of Jesus, you see that there were at least a couple of times where it was not necessarily all that easy to submit to the Father. One of those instances was in Matthew chapter 4, when after being baptized, he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, he then became hungry and the tempter came and said to him, if you remember the story, he is tempted three times here on the mountain by the devil. Three times he did what no other human before had done in passing the test in submitting to the father through temptation after 40 days without eating. Mind you. I don't know about you, but I get home from work and it's been six hours since I ate. My patience has run thin. Jesus, 40 days without eating, tempted by the devil, but submits to the Father each time. Another instance is what we heard explained quite well at the table this morning. Thank you, Brendan. When Jesus was in the garden, or actually what followed the garden through his his suffering that he endured. We know that this was not necessarily easy for, I mean, obvious reasons, because being whipped is not easy for anyone. But submission to the Father was exactly what Jesus accomplished. And we can read his prayer, what happened beforehand in the garden. We're going to remind ourselves again. We heard from Luke this morning in the, at the table. We're going to read from Matthew now. That Jesus, uh, then Jesus came with them, his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he's told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them. And he fell on his, pray, on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so, you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying so that you do not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this, if this cup cannot pass away unless I drink from it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Three times Jesus prayed, saying, My Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way for your work to be accomplished, for your will to be done, please let it happen. Any other way. But your will be done. If there's no other way, if the only other way is for me to go to that cross, your will be done. I will do it. And from that moment on, we see Jesus' will aligned with the Father. Even though he is deeply grieved and distressed in the garden, he aligns his will with the Father and he submits through all the pain and all the suffering and all the difficulty that the next few, uh, for the next day was going to require of him. He submitted. 
And when you look at this temptation of Jesus by the devil on the mountain, and you look at how Jesus endured a betrayal of a friend, an unjust trial, an agonizing torture, and a brutal death, when you look at how he had to go through this, and you think about what he was really suffering psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, there's a question that pops into my mind. How did he do it? How did Jesus continue to submit? How did he accomplish such a feat? And when you go back to the stories, I think you can see some answers to this question. For instance, when you go back to the devil's temptation on the mountain, all three times he is tempted, he responds with, It is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus had scripture. He had scripture with him. In all of those temptations, he responded with the scripture that he needed to submit to the Father instead of doing what the devil was tempting him with. When you look to the unjust trial and the scourging and the cross, the being spat upon and the crown of thorns, how did Jesus submit? Well, I'd say he took his own advice. What did he tell Peter and them? Watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation. Jesus, he was prayerful before he went into the situation, and he was aware of the fact that it was going to be hard, and he aligned his will with the Father through prayer and awareness. In these situations that you're seeing, what I would like you to consider is the fact that Jesus was proactive. How did Jesus submit to the Father in the most difficult of circumstances? He prepared himself for the most difficult of situations. And in, through those passages that we read, such as in John 4, where he says that the, his food is to do the will of him who sent me, to accomplish his work, I think what we see is that your will be done was not this one-time prayer for Jesus, but it was an every day of his life thing. He went to the most difficult situation to submit, and he succeeded because every day of his life he said, God's will be done, not mine. He lived his life with that singular focus. And that same thing can be true for us. That the difficult submission can happen when daily submission is happening. Their submission in the most difficult of situations is not going to happen by accident. You're not just going to look up and, and when the hardest times hit you, you're just going to end up submitting to the Father's will instead of doing what you want. It comes from being proactive, from every single day aligning yourself with the will of the Father just like Jesus did, saying His will, not mine, all the time. Every day, every hour, every minute, God's work is my work. Difficult submission happens when we submit daily to Him. We make every day God's. But what exactly does that look like? <laughs> I mean, I, this is great, right? Like, yes, okay, I have some solutions for when the really difficult times come. What I need to do is be preparing my heart every day, thinking every day about submission. Well, what is this going to look like? 
Well, I think we get some picture of submission and how it was life divine for Jesus um, in, in two layers. I'll put it that way. There's a picture of submission that I think of in two layers. The first is the one we see in the garden, that your will be done. For Jesus, submission every single day was God's in charge. I'm going to do what he wants. Your will be done. He is my authority. But I think for Jesus, what we see, especially through that passage in John 4, where my food is to do the will of God, is that it goes a little bit further beyond just he's my authority, but his mission is my mission. His will is everything to me. And we especially see this pretty clear in John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40, where Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of everything that he has given me, I will lose nothing, but I will raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. The will of the Father is this amazing mission to raise everyone from the dead who puts their trust and belief in him to give them eternal life. And that became Jesus' mission. He says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus saw his entire reason for existence to be the will of the Father. This goes beyond just he's my authority. He's my everything. He defines my life. I am submitting everything I have to him. What we see in Jesus here is sort of the difference between, well, God doesn't say I have to, and doing this will further the mission of God. Or, well, God says I have to, and I am eager to participate in God's work. What we see in Jesus is the difference between a bare minimum to pacify the authority and seeking to give everything he has for God's work daily. There's a heart here that goes beyond just the actions and the desire to commit everything to, to the Father, to make the Father's mission his mission. And I really want this picture to sink in of, of pouring yourself into the mission of God as a form of submission. So I just want you to think for a moment about if you were an employee, okay? You're an employee at a, at a job, but you're not this employee, okay? This employee is really frazzled and maybe doesn't like their job very much. Instead, you're this employee. You're this employee and you love your job. You, you love what you're doing. You think it's great. And you think it's great because you have the most amazing boss in the entire world. Okay, your boss is fantastic. Thank Mark Woody, but better. Okay, your boss is great. All right, you would be willing to do anything for this boss because this boss shows how much they care for you. They show how much they care for their employees. And not only that, but this boss has got a vision and a goal for this company that you are sold on. Okay, They've got this five-year plan or this 10-year plan, and you can't help yourself but be sold into it. Okay, Bought into it. Excuse me. Bought into it. You love it. It gives everything. See, when you're this type of employee, you, you go from being the sort of employee who clocks out five minutes early every day to clocking out five minutes late every day. 
When you're this sort of employee and you've got this sort of vision or this mission ahead of you from your boss, you go from doing the bare minimum to pacify your boss and not lose your job to doing things to really further the goal, to really get the goal accomplished. You go from being the employee that does extra to get a promotion to do extra because you really love the mission that the boss has given you. And you go from being the employee that's always fighting against things you don't understand to recognizing that, you know, sometimes I don't see the big picture like my boss does. It's a complex thing. So whatever he asks of me, I'm going to trust it's for the mission and I'm going to do it. Because I don't see all the pieces like my boss does. But I love this mission. I like my boss and I'm going to get it done. And this is the sort of picture I think we have with God. Because we've got a great boss. He sent his only son to die for us. And he's got a great mission. He wants to reconcile the entire world to him. He wants all the lost to be brought to him. He wants all the weak to be lifted up. All the low to be lifted up. He wants everyone to enjoy his love and his peace and his comfort. He wants that. His mission is awesome. And he loves you. But sometimes we're the, we're the employee who clocks out five minutes early. We do the bare minimum to pacify the authority. We're the sort of person who sees the work of God as simply mandatory. Instead of being awe that we are invited to participate in God's mission to begin with. I mean, we, we were his enemies. We chose another path besides him. But he still says, come and enjoy enjoy my work. Make my work your work. Participate in my mission because it is worth it. He has a vision and a goal for us. And like Jesus, we need to be pouring ourselves into it daily. Not seeking to do the bare minimum to pacify God, but seeing how we can give more and more of ourselves to the mission of the Father. We need this mindset change. We need to be giving everything to God's work. That's what submission for Jesus looked like, and that's what it should look like for us. And what might it look like, maybe more practically speaking, It looks like coming before the throne of God and saying, here's my job. Here's my money. Here's my entertainment and my hobbies. Here's my education and my major. And here's my family. Tell me what to do with it. If I don't need one of these things, God, help me get rid of it. If I need to exchange one of these things, help me to exchange it. Whatever I have, God, help me to see how I use it for you. Help me to see how I use it for your mission and for your work instead of my own end. Help me to see that and help me to do that. Submitting everything to the Father like Jesus, making his work, our work, in the most comprehensive way possible, looks like giving him everything and asking the hardest questions of ourselves. Like, how is my job going to serve the mission of God? 
How do my entertainment, my hobbies fit into God's will? How do I use retirement for God? How will my family be used for God's glory? How does my major serve God? How does my singleness or dating life serve God? It looks like asking these really hard, big picture questions of ourselves and asking, how am I going to do this? When you're choosing your major in college or you're choosing what job you're going to have, does does the thought pass through your mind, how will this job Serve the Father's will. Does it? That's a hard question to ask when you're choosing to retire. How are you? Are you asking the question, how is my retirement going to serve the mission of God? How am I going to use this for God's glory? How am I going to take the blessings of family or the blessings of, of creation that we get to enjoy as hobbies and entertainment? How does that fit into the will of God? How do I give these things to him, give everything to him, so I no longer see any of these things as just for myself, but as something that God has given me and I can use for him? These are some hard questions. And if you haven't asked yourself these questions before, I encourage you to do so today. Get with an elder. Get with someone who is spiritually minded and wise and help and ask them to help you to ask these questions of yourself. How can I give everything I have to God if I can't help me get rid of it? And after you ask these types of questions, You've got some hard follow-up to do because it's a whole lot easier to say, well, I'm going to use my job for God's glory than to do it. It's a whole lot easier to say, well, I'm going to use my singleness for God's glory than to do it. I want to use this time I have for God. It's a whole lot easier to say it than to do it. But to submit like Jesus is to give everything to Him. Everything to the Father. Ask these questions and be willing to sacrifice anything because Jesus did. Submission for Jesus required sacrifice. We saw in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus, He emptied Himself. He became a man and took on the form of a bondservant and He died the death of a criminal. He sacrificed. Obedience to the Father required it, and He gave it. And there are two things that I want to look at as far as what Jesus sacrificed this morning. The first one is glory and honor here on this earth. And we see it right here in this passage. He took on the form of a bondservant, one of the lowest of people, and He died the death of a criminal. He took on this sacrifice He talks about this. Jesus talks about some of the sacrifice in John chapter 15, verse 20, where he says, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. When Jesus was on this earth, people were not just simply praising him and he was not famous and he was not receiving all the glory and honor. He received persecution. And he tells us that if we're going to submit like him, we will too. We will have to endure disgrace and dishonor just like Jesus did. Earlier, we talked about Psalm chapter 69, and the picture that we have of Jesus Jesus there in Psalm 69 is one of disgrace. In Psalm 69, 7 through 9, it says, Because for your sake I have endured disgrace. Dishonor has covered my face. I have become estranged from my brothers and a stranger to my mother's sons. 
and for zeal for your house has consumed me. And the taunts of those who taunt you have fallen on me. This portion at the bottom is quoted of Jesus in Romans chapter 15. Um, you might, if you're not recognizing it, revilings instead of taunts. <laughs> the revilings of those who revile you are on me. Jesus endured taunting and disgrace and dishonor on this earth. And he sacrificed worldly fame and worldly honor to submit to the Father. When zeal for God's house consumed him, he endured this. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we sacrificing honor and glory? Because trying to hold some portion of our life aside for our own glory and our for honor will hold us back from submitting like Jesus did. He gave it up. He gave up the honor and the glory. Are you giving up the honor and the glory? Are you willing to serve like Jesus? Or are you afraid that people will look down on you? Are you willing to give your money to help others or for the kingdom? Or would you rather use that money to get yourself ahead? Are you willing to set aside maybe a promotion at job at a job because that requires cutting corners? But you're not going to do that. You're going to have integrity. Everyone else cuts corners, get ahead, but not you. You'll sacrifice that to do what's right. Are you willing to sacrifice your bank accounts and the honor and the prestige that can come with those for the glory of the Father. Jesus was willing to. And we ought to as well. The other thing that Jesus sacrificed was comfort. In Psalm, I mean, in Philippians chapter 2, this is quite apparent. The death on the cross, right? Hebrews chapter 5 talks about this, and that he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. That by undergoing suffering and pain, he learned obedience. His obedience required pain. That goes beyond discomfort, suffering. And it's going to require pain and discomfort of us sometimes. He talks about some, it, the, the cross was not the only time that Jesus was enduring um, pain or discomforts to submit to the Father's will, to accomplish his work. And, um, Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, when, the, when someone comes up to Jesus and says, I want to follow you, he responds to this person. He says, the foxes have holes and the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, in going around and preaching the good news of the kingdom, he sacrificed the basic quality of a place to call home. He had nowhere to lay his head. And that's, that's hard for me to even imagine. You know, all of my life, I've had a place to call home. When I was tired of work or I was tired of people, I could go home, right? When I was tired of all the stuff, the chaos around me, I could go home. I can go to my wife. I can go to my kids. I used to go to my mama, right? I could go home. Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. He was effectively homeless for the good of the kingdom, to do God's will. How comfortable are you? 
How much of your comforts are you sacrificing for the will of God? You know, everybody is uncomfortable to some degree, right? You have a hard job, so you go home and you're tired, so you're uncomfortable, right? But that's even the heathens do that, to quote Jesus, right? Even the tax collectors do that, right? Everybody has that. If you have a job, you get uncomfortable. How much are you getting uncomfortable for the will of God? Because that's what Jesus did to submit to the Father. He made himself uncomfortable. Are you because I know for me personally, what I really enjoy is to go spend some quality time in front of the television when I'm tired and not giving more even when I'm tired. I know that some of you would probably rather go sit on a boat in a lake or tinker with a car or would rather sit and sew. All these hobbies, all these forms of entertainment, the TikTok, the Twitter, the Instagram, all these things that consume our time, they're just entertainments or hobbies that we enjoy that make us comfortable. And we spend more time doing those things than submitting our lives to the Father. We make comfort trump submission. I'm guilty. We live in America, so I'm pretty sure all of us in the room are guilty. We choose comfort, but Jesus did not. He chose discomfort to commit himself to God's mission. And we all need to be willing to do the same. And when you make the choice to do the same today, when you make that choice, I want you to know that Jesus provides motivation for enduring that sacrifice. One of those motivations that he had was for the joy that was set before him. When he despised the shame, when he endured the cross, he did that for the joy that was set before him. And we have the same joy set before us of ascending to be with the Father. And when you're having to sacrifice and it gets tough, you have this same joy that Jesus did, and it's worth it. Jesus also sacrificed for others. Because he loved them. It says that he loved the church and gave himself for her. He sacrificed his comfort level, glory, fame. And he did that because he loved you. And that's not just a Jesus thing. It's an anyone thing. We can all sacrifice out of love for other people and out of the desire for everyone to know that we love the Father. Jesus submitted and sacrificed so that other people would know that he loved the Father. And we can do the same. We can endure the sacrifice that submission requires by using the same tactics that Jesus did, the hope set before us, a love for others, and a love for the Father. And we can see that submission led to his glorification. In Philippians chapter 2, we said that for this reason, because of his obedience, God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him a name which is above every name. Because Jesus gave God everything, he was raised from the dead, the tomb is empty, and he sits on the right hand of the throne of God, and he has a name above every other name. For this reason, God highly 
exalted him. And it speaks of a, a similar passage, speaks of this in 1 Peter chapter 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Even when you sacrifice and you submit, you're not left sitting in the dirt. God will exalt you too. Not about Jesus. Don't, get, don't be thinking that. But you will be lifted up as well, just as Jesus was. This same hope that he had, you get to enjoy as well from submitting yourself and subjecting yourself to the Father. In Revelation chapter 5, last passage we're going to look at this morning, we have this beautiful picture of heaven where it says, John says, Then I looked and I heard the voices of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. And I heard every created thing which is in heaven or on the earth or under the earth or on the sea and all the things in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be the blessing the honor, the glory, and the dominion forever and ever. Because Jesus was the lamb that was slaughtered. He is worthy. He is worthy. Worthy of what? Everything. Everything. All of the wealth you have, he is worthy of it. All of the wisdom you have, he is worthy of it. All the honor you can give, he is worthy of it. He is worthy of your submission in every area of your life. He is the risen King and Savior, and He deserves your loyalty, and He deserves for you to submit yourself to Him the same way that He submitted Himself to the Father while on earth. He deserves everything from you. As our risen King. And I want you to just think for a moment. Let this sink in. That he deserves your everything. He poured himself out for the mission of God. Are you? How much are you committing every aspect of your life for God? And how much is it for yourself? And I want you to imagine for just a minute that you're dead. You're dead your life is behind you, and you are standing before the throne of King Jesus. And he asks you, what did you do with your life? What have you given for me? What have you done with your life? And imagine that you're, maybe your response is, well, I got this degree and, you know, I had this awesome family, and I had this job, and I made the job better by the time I left, and, oh, this house, I bought this house. It was a good house, and, well, I also had this super cool car. It was a pickup, and I had this, uh, I had this gooseneck trailer. It was fantastic, right? And then not only that, but I ended up with more money than I started with. You know, I wasn't rich or anything, but I definitely had more than I started with. Oh, and the vacations, man. I went on some cool trips. God, you made an awesome earth. That the vacations were great. 
Oh, and also, I read my Bible occasionally. I prayed, you know, periodically, and I went to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. And the lamb that was slaughtered looks at you and says, what did you do for me? What did you do for me? Would you be satisfied with an answer like that when standing before Jesus who gave up everything to the glory of the Father and for your sake? Would you be satisfied? If we can help you commit more of your life to Jesus this morning, we would love to help you. Come and sit on the front pew as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.